One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis. And on today's episode, I speak with freelance beer writer J.C. Williams. He's Connecticut-based, and he is getting to see his stuff in some nice publications. Wine Enthusiast, October, among others. I spoke with him back on June 17th. Good news. Looks like I'm back in the newspaper going to the old-school technology. I've been writing for the Republican American, a newspaper in Waterbury, Connecticut, for 15 years, and had to be put on hiatus, and looks like I'm back. My recent column on Alisa Bowen's Mercado was prominently placed in the accent section, so happy about that, and it looks like I'll have uh, more of my stuff in the Republican American in the coming months, years, decades, who knows. So let's listen in to my conversation with J.C. Williams. Hey, J.C. Williams, nice talking to you. How are you? I'm good, Will. How are you on this Wednesday? (laughs) Yeah, it is a Wednesday. It could be any day. It feels very... I don't know. It feels very Wednesday, like right in the middle of it all right now for me. Yeah, it's accurate. I'm going to ask you some questions. You can answer them or not. We can turn it into a conversation. Doesn't matter. But right now I'm going to ask you some formal questions like an interviewer would, and we'll take it where it goes. Um, you are an author of work in a lot of different publications. Um, from what I've been noticing, uh, Wine Enthusiast, uh, Edible Queens, October, and Cuisine Noir, uh, noir uh, to name a few. Um, how did you get into writing about beer? Uh, well, I had a job as a copywriter for close to a decade. And then uh, one day I did not have a job as a copywriter. <laughs> so my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, has been worked in food media for like, I believe the last decade. And she works at Wine Enthusiast and she's like, do you know anything about Italian beer? So being a giant dork, I was like, oh yeah, there's this, there's that, blah, 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 you know, and I just fired off a whole bunch of things. She's like, do you think you could write an article about it? I was like, sure i know enough about beer to fake it and you know i wrote an article and that was kind of the beginning of it all are you gonna let loose that we're all just faking it yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i don't want to the industry's biggest secret (laughs) it is it's it's released now so you so this was a uh so this is a girlfriend thing um now copy uh copywriting is that what you said it was copywriting yeah, yeah. What, yeah. So for the most part, that entailed uh, promotion, or how did what was that? Uh, what was that mostly? About? Yeah, I worked for a sort of nano bank financial services company slash education. It was one of those tech startups that kind of dabbled in a lot of everything or a little bit of everything. So uh, I wrote marketing materials basically for a checking account 
Okay. And then I also did some of the, we were higher education focused. So I wrote some, you know, I would edit some of the client facing materials for uh, college administrators and the like. I did several years of editing bond analysis. So Whoa. I kind of understand <laughs> that world. Um, and, and again, I, I was an English major, so it was like my job was to turn their financial ease into regular talk. And uh, I learned a lot and forgot almost all of it since I've left. So nice. uh, I totally understand yeah. <laughs> where you're coming from with that. So uh, tell me about your life before beer and um, how you first started getting into it. So my life before beer, like, I didn't really drink uh, because I, I don't know if you're familiar with punk rock, hardcore, straight edge oh, kind sure. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was into that for a long time. And then I was like, I don't know, I had this girlfriend that we broke up. And so that I was like, matters. Oh, sorry. I should, probably shouldn't swear. Anyway. Oh, no. That's quite all right. I, it gives me a chance to use the beep. D bring it up. Cur curse away. I need the work. So <laughs> I, so I, whenever I dabbled with like, you know, cocktails and I was like, I didn't really like beer because all my friends, we were young. So we all drank cheap, crappy beer. And I was like, eh, I'd rather just have like, you know, a Jameson and ginger or Tullamore Dew and ginger. That was actually my preferred drink. So did you, uh, did, were you stepping away from that whole uh, straight edge life? I mean, were you not around people who, who were straight edge anymore? I mean, most of my friends had stopped kind of at that point because we're talking like, I don't know, I think it was in like my mid-20s. Okay. So like you I, were... I still like listen to the music, but I was just like, I don't know. It, it was like a weird point in my life where like my long-term girlfriend had broken up with me and I was just like, oh, nothing matters. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> which is what all the, which a lot of what that uh, nihilism in the music is all about. So then like whatever. So I dabbled with cocktails. Then one of my friends was a home brewer. And he brought over, I think it was, had to be like a Belgian white clone. I think maybe it was like a Who Garden clone or Ho Garden, however you like to pronounce that. Sure. Uh, and so then he was like, yeah, it's like, you know, based on this style and like, you know, here's like a commercial version of it. And like, you know, then you find out about Blue Mood and so you drink that until you have like Ho Garden. You're like, oh, why was I ever wasting my time with Blue Mood? And so then it kind of, so I started dabbling in homebrewing myself. Oh, how'd that go? And then it was fine. I was an extract brewer. So it's like you boil some water, you dump some stuff in. It was, you know, it's like when the jump between extract brewing and like all grade is like, I don't know, single A baseball and the majors. No, that's not even fair because single A takes some actual talent. Little League and the majors. It was just completely a different world. So then I kind of got into, I still wasn't keen on the hoppy stuff because I would always say it tastes like uh, dirty hippie socks. Oh, sure. Uh, that, so again, that was your punk of, side coming out. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely have to make fun of jam bands. I still do to this day. Uh, yeah, uh, so then, so I just drank a lot of Belgians and I was brewing and then I moved and I didn't have as much space to brew. So I haven't brewed in over 10 years, probably close to 15, uh, 12, whatever. So, but then, you know, I got into Belgians. I did drink a lot of those for a long time. And then, you know, those are kind of hard to, not hard to find, but like most bars, like the best you could do was, you know, Blue Moon or some kind of Ho Garden if you were lucky. Uh, then I got into Stouts because those also malty and like Browns and like Old Ales, like stuff, you know, 
uh, more of the multi kind of higher ABV stuff. And then eventually a friend that I worked with who would, would come up from Delaware and go to, he would come up for work, uh, but he worked remotely from Delaware and he would drive to Treehouse like when he was up here for a couple of days working. So he was like, you got to try this. I know you don't like IPAs, but you got to try this. It's called Julius. I was like, all right, we'll see. And he just like brought me half of a growler. He's like, I can't take this home with me because what am I going to do with half a growler? So <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, okay, they might be on or something because it wasn't like anything, you know, that I'd ever had before because it was, you know, there was fruit forward and it was a soft mouth feel. It just didn't taste like, you know, pine needles scraping down your throat. But uh, but so I drank, you know, so then I got into IPAs and I kind of broadened out and then, you know, obviously the whole New England craze happened. I was also drinking a lot of Nebco stuff because I enjoyed their stuff. I loved, uh, what was it, 668, Neighbor of the Beast? Oh, yeah. That one's pretty good. High Octane. Uh, yeah. This is back when I think they still had, they were putting them out in 16-ounce cans at the time. Ooh, dangerous. kind of seemed dangerous, but I was like, hey, go for it. Sure. Live La Vida Loca. Uh, so now I kind of just, now I like everything because, like, I've burnt out on the whole hazy thing. And, like, you, you after a while, if you drink too many, you just... They all the flavors all blend together, and you kind of can't tell the difference between one and the other. So now I feel like I have a broader palette than I did when I first started. Sure, yeah, you like stretching that rubber band out a little bit, and uh, I mean, you, you kind of have the ones that you go back to. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I find that I'm, I'm, it's just purely about mood. Uh, sometimes I am in a mood for um, a New England, you know, IPA, but that mood doesn't doesn't strike very often i'm more of a malt head myself well you you've uh you have a lot of these freelance gigs now it's starting to spread out and you're known as kind of the beer guy or a beer guy at wine enthusiast what's it like to write about beer for a wine publication oh uh, it's uh it's pretty good uh you know it's a very good niche uh <laughs> because they're like, like you know it's a lot of the writing for wine enthusiasts is just trying to, sometimes it's just like it's informational or trying to find an angle that about a beer that will appeal to a wine drinker. You're like, oh, if you like, you know, X, Y, Z wine, you might like, you know, uh, one, two, three style beer. Like I can't, I wrote an article, I can't remember what it was, but I wrote an article about comparing if you like this kind of wine, you might be into this kind of beer, or this kind of hop. I think it was based on hops. Sure. Uh, so it's fun. So that means you've needed to become a, a wine aficionado as well? No, I know nothing about wine. Like, <laughs> I'm like red, white, rosé, sparkling. There you go. <laughs> wow, I could work for a wine enthusiast. That's, I know that much, too. Yeah. Uh, so you, yeah. <laughs> but you had to do, did you have to do some research into, um, into wine uh, to make the comparisons between what hops brings out, or did you rely on a on a colleague? Uh, yeah, well, I relied on a colleague who is now my wife. Uh, <laughs> Again, I'm seeing a uh, pattern here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I I talked with her because you know obviously she works in the wine world. I was like, so if something kind of has this flavor profile, is can you find like a comparable grape? And she's like, yeah, try this one or that one. And so you know. It's always good to have uh, another expert in the house. 
Absolutely. Well, that's that's wonderful. Uh, your recent piece for Wine Enthusiast uh, was these 10 black-owned breweries make great beer. It's kind of more of a listicle, uh, which I don't say yeah. in the negative. I, th- those are very popular and very helpful because it often gets you a lot of information. Did you find that there was kind of a connection between the breweries besides the the obvious uh, that they're black owned did you start seeing any patterns emerging between these or were they all it was it quite disparate what 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 did you find when you were all done doing that research i mean they're all really different i mean uh because like let's see i think green bench out of florida they really they do a lot of classic styles and, you know, lagers and pilsners. And then you have like weathered souls who are very uh, much stout forward. I don't know if you know about the, uh, the black is beautiful beer yeah. initiative. But... Yeah. 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 It's exciting. It's an exciting one. It's, it's yeah, huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish more Connecticut breweries were taking part, but uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually going to homebrew uh, the recipe with one of my homebrewer friends and we're going to, I'm going to donate some money to the Connecticut Bail Fund most likely and then you know if anybody wants to make a donation I will give them some of the beer we make in exchange I don't know if that's 100% legal so please don't let the state police kick down my door no no they, they're the only ones that won't listen to this podcast um that that's, oh, perfect. so so yeah the um the Weathered Souls um uh project has gotten so much good feedback. I just released a podcast today that is an interview with Elisa Bowens. Um, oh, yeah, they're doing one, right. They're one of the four that I saw. But, you know, it was like literally when I was f- talking to her, there were maybe 400-something breweries signed up. And then I double-checked again, and it was up to, like, you know, 700 or 700. It, yeah. It's intense. So um, that's a very cool idea. And I, and I noticed also um, that they are not saying you need to give to know your rights uh, camp or any specific ACLU, like a specific one. It's, Hey, whatever, whatever you want to do, uh, which I thought. Right. Was- Try to find something around you, something local, as opposed to just, I don't know, do some research. I'm like, we always talk about, well, not we, the beer community always talks about the beer community. Uh, yeah, we do. And like, you know, if you if you want to talk about the community, like do something in the community and don't just, you know, someone told you the name of a charity, so you just fire off the money into that. Like, I don't know. I think everyone always pumps being local. And it's like, well, if you're going to, you know, drink local, then, you know, act local, so to speak. What Paraphrase made... a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not one, then it should be. What What made you decide on the the, the charity that you chose? or the organization you chose? Uh, I just think bail reform is important because, I mean, I don't know, prisons are terrible. And, you know, the fact that people are being held because because they're poor, because they can't afford to bail themselves out, just seems like, I don't know, a double, a, two strikes against you, right. so to speak. Right. So. Uh, I'm I'm chapter one deep, which by listening hours is, you know, like three or four hours uh, into the new Jim Crow. And this is this um, 10th anniversary version of this book by Michelle Alexander. Me trying to sound smart. And it really does focus on the fact that um, the prison system uh, is in is in tremendous need of reform. So, uh, it, yeah. <laughs> 
and now so i mean we're finding that you know a lot of i mean that your article about the breweries uh, seemed to let us know that african americans are owning and uh patronizing uh breweries is this uh, something that's been going on that I didn't know about? Is this something that's relatively new? What have you noticed in terms of uh, charting the, the interest from um, black America versus white America? Is this, is this relatively recent or was it always uh, along the same curve as everybody else? I mean, I'm not sure it was always, a, it wasn't really along the same curve, I think, but, you know, everyone always will say, uh, Garrett Oliver is, you know, obviously the, the the beer god, so to sure. speak. Yes. And uh, everyone can cite him, but like, you know, he, I believe, has been an inspiration to, you know, countless other black men and women to own their own breweries. Uh, I think over the last, I don't know how many years it's been, but like over the last 10, there is a large, uh, even though the demographics and the statistics don't tell you, there are a lot of black men and women who enjoy beer. But, you know, when you go to a tap room, you might not see it, like, especially in Connecticut. In Connecticut, you, it, it's not as apparent as opposed to, like, I've been to other cities. Like, if you go to New York, you know, there's always a good number of, you know, black, Hispanic, Latinx, however, uh, different people there. As opposed, in Chicago, L.A., San Diego, it's always a good mix of people. But in Connecticut, it's like... What is it? The one speck of pepper and the salt. You know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase. Yeah, but, well, yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, <laughs> right. I, among among others, yeah, it's uh, it, it's absolutely right. And the idea is, it it seems as if there's uh, and again, I don't know the demographics for sure, but there are locations where there are more black people than white people. It's not spread out along among the states. So if you go to cities, certain cities, if there was a brewery there, you know, I was thinking. You know, the first time I really saw that, and it, again, it was very recent, was going to um, Brewport in, um, oh, yeah. in Bridgeport because it it wasn't the ownership, but it was the the people working there. I was like, yeah, this right. looks like uh, <laughs> this looks like America. You know, this this looks right. more diverse than than any other tap room or um, uh, brew pub that I'd been to in Connecticut. So one of the things I noticed also was that you wrote about Fresh Fest and that, you know, that's an example of a city, you know, away from Connecticut that was celebrating black brewery ownership. Um, what, do you think that that is something that we're going to see more of throughout the country or is that you think that you see that as being kind of an isolated, that's the Mecca? No, I think it's just up to whatever, like whatever quote-unquote the scene is like you know i putting on a beer festival obviously is a huge undertaking i know that crunch and hops had planned an Oktoberfest in la prior to uh covid and all mm. and all that so i think other people are you know other people are trying to do it or doing similar things uh you're seeing more and more of like people who are not typically thought of as, you know, it's a bearded white male. Uh, <laughs> right. right. In beer, and then, you know, organizing, coming together, and, you know, saying, yes, we are here, we also enjoy beer. And that didn't mean to rhyme, but here we are. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, I think, I think that's the idea, is that sometimes it takes a little bit of a breakthrough in one place 
and then it becomes well of course it helps if it's economically viable as well which i think came across in the in my interview with um with elisa which was that you know this is a big opportunity for people who want to not just express themselves and their love of beer but you know make some money <laughs> or you know this is a big right. industry and you're, you're leaving a lot of people out of it right yeah that's what that tone has been i guess for the last couple of years i think the brewers i think it was the brewers association somebody was saying like you know if this is going to survive you need to expand your demographic beyond like you know dudes in flannel sure uh because then you uh, it started with you know uh women in flannel you know they they, they got right. it got it <laughs> Uh, and now it's uh, the, the the tent is big and it should be big because um, it's beer. And I think that for uh, some people, some of us, uh, you know, speaking from the, the white bearded demographic, this may be one of those few avenues that we do interact with people of different cultures. If you aren't actively seeking it out or you don't work in an environment or you don't just happen to have friends of different backgrounds this is a way to get to know people and vice versa um so right uh, now what do you think about this new focus on black owned businesses uh i'm thinking you know in after the recent uh protests uh, uh after the um death uh of george floyd what do you think of this this uh, change, or, or or do you think that it's going to make much effect at all? I don't know. I guess it, it all really depends on who's... I guess it depends on everyone's intent and, like, you know, the brewery's intent. Like, everyone flipped over, and not everyone, but many breweries did the black square thing, right? And it was kind of... That kind of felt like... Every, it felt like checking a box sometimes, because it was like, okay you recognize you didn't one a lot of them didn't even say black lives matter they're just like yep blackout tuesday here's your black square hope you guys are happy now like sure. it kind of just it doesn't so like but then you know some people stopped and said you know made a statement like this is awful we've been quiet about injustice black lives matter like the two of the best statements that i saw came from vermont breweries came from the alchemist and came from hill farmstead which I was like, what are there, five black people in Vermont? Like, I don't know. It just seemed like... Next to the four they, black they people They were heartfelt. Yeah. <laughs> They're cousins. Uh, so, yeah, they came out and they made, like, bold statements. And, like, you know, they put drew a line in the sand. And, you know, they got the usual blowback, which always happens, like, stick to beer. Or mm. I won't be patronizing your brewery anymore. And they were like, that's fine. But, you know, this is how we feel. So... That felt, uh, to me, I was impressed. And, you know, a lot of, not everyone has made as impressive statements like, okay, you flipped over the black square, maybe you'll make a black as beautiful beer. Is that, but does it end there? Or are you going to, you know, invest in the community, you know, continue giving to this charity? Like, I feel like there are cha certain charities that, you know, breweries always give to, and, you know, they all can rally around fighting cancer. But like, if but once it becomes maybe something more of a social issue, there's a lot of reluctancy to do anything. So I'm just hoping they they uh, they walk the walk and talk, not just talk the talk. Well, I don't know if this is this is probably my 
my ignorance, but I don't remember a time when corporations, certainly, and even small businesses needed to take a stance on things. Um, I think this is a fairly recent um, approach to to owning a business is to take a stand, which could uh, tick off part of your uh, part of your patronage to say uh, here. Here's now. I don't think saying Black Lives Matter is a particularly um, uh, necessarily bold or controversial statement, but for many people it is, and for many corporations, uh, th- this is going to hurt. Could hurt their their bottom line even a little bit. So yeah, it, it is interesting to see people make those decisions uh, from behind the scenes, but it all just depends on where it's going to go from here, I guess. Now, yeah, I think that's a lot bigger. Yeah, go on. Sorry. You, uh, you, you work with um, Cuisine Noir, and uh, this was great for me to read because you know it's like entry into another you know another world to, you know I, to delve. It's kind of like the way I delve into to black culture through music, yeah, and 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 it's like I can kind of watch from the outside, but not necessarily, unfortunately, fully experience it. Me sounding awkward. Is your approach to writing for for cuisine noir different than other publications? No, because a lot of I guess. I think depending what I'm writing, like uh, usually I just try to write from an informative aspect. Sure. Like a uh, positioning. I it's not. I don't think I try to unless it like unless it's something that's very like black specific. Like I wrote a thing on soul food beer pairing. That was probably the one. Like you know, that was less informative because. I imagine most of the readers of Cuisine Noir were familiar with the dishes, uh, but not familiar with the beer styles. So I think mostly I just try to write from an informative perspective. I don't know if I would be able to write a piece about pairing fried chicken and and Hellas Lager uh, in that (laughs) way. You know what I mean? Like saying, here I am an expert on soul food. So this, you know, gives you an opportunity, you know, to do that. But it, it just comes down to the idea that someone could read this and be like, oh, wow, I learned all this stuff about soul food. And someone else would be like, oh, wow, I, I, I didn't know, you know, you could pair a Hefeweizen with that, you know, that kind of thing. So food brings... Right, for that up. article, like, yeah, I was just, I was, you, I spoke with a, a chef that I knew from, from beer, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> or two people that I knew from beer in, or Twitter or Facebook, or whatever. And I was like, hey, you're a Cicero, do you want to, <laughs> do you have any beer pairing suggestions? For you know, it's a Dom Cook from my beer culture was uh, a big asset to help me uh, pull that piece together. And uh, Bernard McCoy from uh, who's the cheese monger director, the cheese program director at uh, the Brick Store Pub in Atlanta was the other person I talked to. So yeah, social media has its advantages. You reach out. Yeah, it's not always a hellhole. (laughs) No, but it mostly is. Let's agree uh, with that. All right, that sound means that it's time for the lightning round. Now this you definitely oh boy. Could, All right. could not have prepared for this. You have three seconds to think deeply and answer these questions. They um, are very important. I'm going to be tallying up your score, and uh, at the end you're going to find out you know, whether 
whether you passed or not. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Okay. I'm ready. What is your favorite style of beer right now? I was going to say Imperial Stout. <laughs> I will accept that answer. What is your best quality as a writer? Uh, I think I'm good at relating things to pop culture. I think because I know too much about too little. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, what, what, then now I'm going to stop the timer here. What, what do you, what do you, tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, so like when, so uh, with the stuff I've written for October where, you know, I'm reviewing beer, like I try to draw, like, you know, I'll start reviewing, writing like a, a fun, engaging review for a beer and not making it like, you know, the beer advocate, like not no disrespect to beer advocate, sure. great publication, but like, it's just, you know, it's like, oh, the notes of stone fruit and, you know. <laughs> angel hair and unicorn <laughs> breath you know stuff like that like yeah. which but so i try to like so i wrote a thing about like a belgian style i think it was like a hoppy belgian ale so i was like you know so then i was like how do i even though it's a brewery from tennessee but like how do i relate to their average reader so i was like you know belgium's known for things like you know like mule frites and jean-claude van damme so it's like you know that's right. It's you can enjoy to... this while watching Bloodsport. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, you know it, it goes beyond it goes beyond flavor profile to uh, mixed martial arts profile. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, timer's back on. What is your okay. What is your best quality as a person? Oh, uh, that's a great. I, you should ask my wife. Uh, I have a good sense of humor. <laughs> Very good. Uh, favorite toy growing up? Favorite toy was probably a wiffle ball. What is or your a wiffle ball, wiffle bat? You know, together you wouldn't want to just have the ball without the bat. It's not as much fun. Fair yeah, enough. yeah, definitely not. <laughs> what is your least favorite sound? Oh, leaf blower. <laughs> Excellent. And what's the best piece of advice? you've ever been given oh god uh i guess don't give up all right have you ever put it <laughs> have you put it into practice i mean yeah i'm still still writing <laughs> and i didn't think i would uh ever be a writer i think there was a period where i was just like I had a crappy job where I worked at uh, an insurance agency, and some people were like, "You know, you can, you should become a writer." I was like, "Yeah, but then you gotta, you know, like keep writing all the time." But that was that. So I'm just gonna stick at the stick with this insurance job, and obviously that didn't work out. So <laughs> eventually, I found my way back to writing. <laughs> my thanks to Jay. I'll put some links to some of his work in the show notes. You can find him on Twitter at Shot of Insolence and on Instagram at J underscore likes underscore beer. Please consider leaving a Venmo tip for me if you'd like. I'm at William hyphen sis. Until next time, sip well.